0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for letting me add. I'm going to read our scripture today f- from the message, so you will not be able to follow along. So just kind of sit back and and, uh, and listen. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be amazing counselor, strong God, eternal father, prince of wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there'll be no limits To the wholesome he brings, he'll rule from the house of David and his throne over the promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living beginning now and lasting always. The zeal of God of the angel armies will do this. And then looking over to chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, a green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump, from his roots, a budding branch. The life-giving Spirit of God will hover over him, the spirit that brings wisdom and understanding, the spirit that gives direction and builds strength, the spirit that instills knowledge and fear of God. Fear of God will be all his joy and delight. He won't judge by appearances, won't decide on the basis of hearsay. He'll judge the needy by what is right, Render decisions on earth's poor with justice. His words will bring everyone to awed attention. A mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. Each morning, he'll put on sturdy work clothes and boots and build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. That's what God intends to do in our world and in our lives. May he do so. The second title that uh, Isaiah gave to the child that was going to be born and the son that was going to be given, the Messiah who would come and bring people back into a right relationship with God the Father his name would be mighty god the child would be called mighty god now the jews in in isaiah's time were about to go into exile because they refused to stop their wicked ways They refused to turn back to God and be obedient to what he wanted of them. They would have heard Isaiah's words, but I think they probably would have also been somewhat confused because the title Mighty God was reserved for the Lord God Jehovah, not a child all the titles that Isaiah uses in this passage really belong to God what were they to make of this prophecy what are we to make of this prophecy I've been engaged in conversations and hearing people talk about how so often we enter into Christmas and we get so busy we kind of lose track of what's most important how could a child who is born be a son given and assume the titles reserved for israel's lord god jehovah well we know the answer to that because as believers we celebrate the birth of jesus god's son every christmas I am so glad we have some direction uh, some decorations. It just it just does something, doesn't it? So thank those who put them up. We read and hear the story of his birth, the special circumstances, and the divine protection given to the child and family. If we stop our busyness long enough to really think about it, we could find ourselves getting caught up in wonder. But how often do we as 21st century Christian believers slow down enough to ponder the power of our mighty God? and the Savior he has promised. Jesus told his disciples, nothing is impossible with God. And as you read read the Gospels in the New Testament, you will find Jesus never imposed any limits whatsoever upon God's ability to do something. He said, if you have a little faith, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and it'll move. How many of you have tried to move a mountain lately? Sometimes I can hardly move myself. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says to to the Colossian church. In Colossians, the church in Colossae, you know it's hard to preach when the pastor's sitting in the audience. I can see him Turning the pages. <laughs> Welcome, brother. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 20. Listen closely. He, meaning Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Think about that one for a moment. He's holding you and me together. Even though we find it difficult sometimes to put ourselves together. He holds everything together. And he is the head of the body the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might be Have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness. All his fullness dwell in Jesus. The one who became visible for us. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed upon the cross. Wow. Don't let those words pass by you too quickly or you will miss the wonder, the power, and the incredible love God has for everything he has created. And that includes you and me. The two titles we're considering today, Mighty God and Everlasting Father, fit well together. And that is true of all the titles that you can find in the Old Testament concerning the Messiah who was to come. Each title is meant to help us understand the divine scope of God's intended purpose of redeeming his people from oppression, And there are addictions to sin. And Paul says it's part of his redeeming love. Redeeming all things back to himself through his son's poured out blood on the cross. Wow. And as you read the Old Testament you will often encounter what the Bible itself calls mighty acts of God. The mighty acts of God in rescuing and redeeming Israel, his chosen people. Now, we're not talking about bedtime stories here. We're talking about real people with their backs to the wall, when God intervened on their behalf and saved the day. It didn't happen just once, but again and again in Egypt, setting them free from slavery and oppression. In the wilderness journey, especially when they were complaining about manna, in the morning and at noontime and at night manicotti or whatever they were complaining about no water And so Moses strikes a rock and out comes water wow there were countless times in the promised land of Israel's inheritance that God had to rescue them again and again and again because they forgot who they were and why they were here. And I wonder sometimes if that doesn't happen to us. If we kind of forget who we are why we're here. Anyway, the, the beauty in the ugliness of their situation, if you will, is found in what God alone did for his people that they could not do for themselves. We are told that it happened in Israel as an example of what God wants to do and has done for all of us through his son, Jesus. Again, and again, and again. Every time you fail, every time you fall, he is there to lift you up. He longs to save us from what kills us on the inside. What kills the inside? Another conversation I had with someone today is, How often we get caught up in trying to please everybody else and forget who we are. The craziness of our world, my friends. or the need, here's one from Herb, the need to be needed. How driven we can become. And it's not what God wants for us. He longs to save us from what kills us on the inside and what robs us of joy and happiness that is deep within. And he wants to save us from what slowly destroys our lives through our own addictions to sin and our insistence that we can go our own way without any repercussions. If we pay close attention to what Isaiah is saying, the secret to understanding the titles and how they apply to Jesus and his fulfillment of all that God promises is seen at the close of verse 7. The zeal, the driving passion, Of the Lord Almighty. Will get it done. God will accomplish it. You and I don't. Accomplish. It. God does. God himself. Will accomplish the promises that he has made. Through a child to be born and a son given. His son Jesus. And what I find amazing as I look back over my years of walking with the Lord and the ministries that I've been involved with for over 50 years is the awesome power of God to mend the broken spirits of people and heal the various wounds of the heart and bringing beauty from the ashes of life we experience. The power of God can bring you back to life in so many ways. And all it takes is a little faith to trust in his ability to give life when it, be, when it appears to be so impossible to us as we slowly surrender our lives to him. The wonder of his work in your life and mine is that it takes place on the inside, my friends. It takes place in here. And then it begins to work its way to the surface. God is always concerned about the heart the center the core because he said if you make a tree good its fruit will be good and God is it is highly invested in making of us good trees Jesus said we need to live from the heart. Proverbs tells us we are to guard our hearts because it is the wellspring of life. It's where true life begins and comes from. We need to live from a new and regenerated heart and let the world see. And let the world see how Jesus has transformed our lives. God does it for us because we can't do it for ourselves. And he wants others to be able to see that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Jesus never leads us astray. He is our savior. He is the healer. He is the healer. He is our mighty God. So in turning to John's gospel, chapter 17, this is part of the Lord's prayer. It's the longest prayer recorded or written for us in Scripture. Listen to what he prays for you and me. This is his prayer for us. Beginning in verse 20 of chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent. Unity matters to Christ and to God. And could to be that disunity is the biggest problem the church has in being able to convince others out there that Jesus is the way? He goes on I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and I myself may be in them. A lot of mystery found in that passage in the prayer of our Lord for you and me. So as we turn to the title Everlasting Father, I'm praying that it will help us appreciate even more what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf in fulfilling God's promises and making us a new creation. As believers, we find that the old ways of living are passing away. And the new life of righteousness is becoming visible Because his Holy Spirit is within us. And we have discovered that we matter to him. We matter to our Father in heaven. In the birth of Jesus, God was stepping into our world. To be one of us. And live beside us. So we would know that he understands what we go through. And how tough it is to live down here in a fallen world so influenced by evil. In reading the Gospels, you will notice that Jesus shocked many of his contemporaries by referring to God as my father. My father is still working and I am still working. The words I give you are my father's words. Again and again, he calls attention to God being his father. And he invited his disciples to address God how? As Abba, the Aramaic. Ab in the Hebrew, which means dad or daddy. It's a term of endearment. It can also mean dear father dear father <laughs> grant my request <laughs> but jesus wants us to understand that god is not like the typical middle eastern patriarch who wields considerable power over the family including life and death and divorce at his whim no jesus portrays god as a tender and compassionate daddy who shows grace and loving concern. He is a dear father who cares deeply about his children. Listen to what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 84, verses 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. Lord God Almighty, blessed is the man or woman who trusts in you. Not only did Jesus call God his father, but he told those who would listen to him that he and the father were one. He told his disciples in John fourteen, nine through eleven, when Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. We can echo the same thing, cannot? I mean, can't we? It is not I, but Christ in me. And he goes on to say, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. In the prayer of Jesus found in John 17, we are drawn into the very heart and passion of Jesus for his disciples. And for us who believe in him because someone cared enough to help us surrender our life and heart to Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Jesus wants us to understand that we know, love, and serve a Trinitarian God. We cannot explain it. Can't explain how it's possible. But whenever we think of or address God, it it matters little whether we address God as Father or as Jesus or as the Holy Spirit. For when we address one, we are addressing all three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are one and the same. And they are in complete agreement and unified in their purpose. There are no fractions within the Godhead. And as believers, the Word of God teaches us that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwell within our heart and soul. And that is a game changer for us. There are two passages that I would say that it's good for you to know. One in the Old Testament, the other in the New. The first one in the Old Testament that I go to often is Ezekiel 36:26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I will move you to do this. The I, by the way, means God, in case you missed it. The second passage that I will call attention to is found in 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God. And you have overcome them. And who's the them? Those who are opposed to God and the good that he is doing in our lives. So you, my dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them because the one who is in you, the power and presence of God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is greater than the one, the evil one, and all the evil that's in the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We are not powerless, my friends. Nor are we alone in our quest to change our world in some way. We need to recognize once again that that takes place one heart and life at a time. Jesus promised to be with us always in Matthew 28, 20. And the first century believers changed their world. And I think we might be able to change our world too. But we have to get out there to do it. We can change our world as each one of us does our part in helping others discover faith in the child born and the son given, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, and next Sunday, the prince of peace. Father, you are so good. Your plan is marvelous. It takes a while for us to comprehend it. The older I get, the more amazed I am by what you have done and what you want to do in each one of our lives. To set us free to be the unique person you created us to be, so we can finally do what you created us to do. Lord, I truly believe that you have us here now in this place and in this time to make a difference in a crazy, mixed-up world. And so, Father, give us, give us your grace and peace and mercy and help us to live to honor you Lord help us live to honor you and make a difference in the lives of those around us in Jesus name amen amen just stand to to receive a blessing just going to read a Short passage from Paul's letter to the Roman church. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children and we are his heirs. Send us forth, Lord, to make a difference. God bless you. Have a great week.